Okay, my name's Tim. I'm an alumni. I was here in the 70s. Uh, that's before you were born, maybe before your parents were born. Uh, and the club was around since then. So I wasn't here at the very beginning, but close to it. So I've been able to enjoy many uh, students through the years uh, speaking to you and interacting with you, having you in our home. My wife and I have a, we live right across from the law school. It's the north side of campus, and our home is open. Uh, she's a good cook and uh, got a piano and some dogs, so it's home. So we welcome, and there's other alumni here too that you can meet. So we very much appreciate uh, the alumni support. So uh, tonight uh, we're going to spend a little time talking about Jesus Christ and the Gospels. And the reason we're doing this is that just on this past Sunday, we began a new schedule, a reading schedule of the New Testament. Uh, some of you were here this summer and got the Gospel of John reading challenge as awesome. And now we want to do the whole New Testament. By the time, if you're a freshman, by the time you'll be here next fall, you will have read the whole New Testament. And one of the keys is to have a companion. So tonight when we talk about this, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think, who's my companion? If they're not in the room, I'm going to give you a little time to text and say, hey, would you be my Bible reading companion? Because we know in accomplishing anything uh, athletically, academically, some of y'all in tough programs, you need each other to encourage one another, to help you be accountable, to get your homework done, to get the group project done, so we know how that works. Uh, Professor Ken Diller, who's our... Uh, campus advisor, club advisor, he has studied this, he's an engineering prof, and uh, the grouping of the students is one of the key factors to, to getting through engineering at UT and other programs too. So uh, we want you to have a companion. We know it's more likely to work out if you have somebody. That doesn't mean you sit down and read together every day or even you read over the phone. Uh, Y'all still use phones, right? Texting and talking. Um, don't know what the latest is. There's a chip in your ear and you just go, you blink and you're online or something. <laughs> just wait. And your, your generation, something like that will probably happen. The speed is terrific. So uh, we'd like you to have a partner to read through. And unique to this very fall semester is we're going to begin again the Genesis Old Testament reading starting in Genesis, and that only comes around every three years. So you're a fortunate class that you get to start with us at the beginning of Genesis. So in three years on this schedule, you will have read the whole Old Testament. And one year, uh, if you stay on it, by the time you graduate, the New Testament four times. So this club really emphasizes reading the Bible. You have that schedule right there. And uh, it's about a chapter a day. And we're in uh, Matthew chapter 5, just the first 16 verses, and Genesis 5. So you're not that far behind. You can still catch up. Uh, that's why you need a partner to help move you along and uh, uh, read together if you like to. So the reason we emphasize reading the Bible, and we really are thankful to the Lord that we have the Bible. If you ever studied history, there was an attempt to rid the earth of every single copy, every record of this person, Jesus Christ, and everything he did. And there was an all-out warfare to kill every, every believer so that if Satan, God's enemy, could rid the earth of every record of this person 
And every person that knew this person, then we'd have no record of this great person, Jesus Christ, and what he did. But Satan didn't get his way, and we have the, the Word of God available to us. In fact, the average home in the United States has 4.7 Bibles in it. But too bad not that many people read it. But in this club, we like to read the Bible. So if you would develop as a freshman or transfer student, like I did in the 70s, a habit of reading your Bible every day, wow, Christ will really grow in you and your life will take the direction that Christ wants it to take. So I can highly recommend, from my experience, uh, taking this route. It affected um, the job I took. It affected the person I married. It affected the place I lived. It affected the way I raised four kids. Now I've got grandkids. It's affecting everything. So Jesus Christ is what we want to talk about. And the way we get to know him primarily is through his word. Without his speaking, we don't know that much about him. If you get to meet somebody and you don't talk, then who are you? I mean, without words, they define, they explain. And so his speaking is recorded in the Bible. That's called the Logos. And when we get into that word, then that word begins to work in us. And he, he speaks, I wouldn't say audibly, but within there's the rhema, which means an instant word in your situation as freshmen, juniors, seniors, sophomores on this campus. You'll have some speaking of the Lord Jesus himself because he's a living person. So this club is not about changing your religion, joining religion, being religious, improving your behavior. It's all about a person, Jesus Christ. So when we come to the Bible, the word of God, what are we looking for? We're looking for this person and to know this person and to know what his purpose is. So that's why we emphasize coming to the Bible. Uh, I've talked to several of you and asked you, uh, have you read through the whole New Testament? And most of you have said no to me, except one of you said they read it in three months. I don't think that person's here today. Uh, so this is a challenge. If you've never read it, at least the New Testament, cover to cover, then I encourage you, we encourage you to take this challenge uh, okay, so uh, we're going to set it up a little bit for the Gospels because we're going to be diving into the Gospels, which are roughly 40% of the New Testament. So we'll be in this reading up through your winter break and a little bit beyond. And so we want to point out something very important about the Gospels. Uh, we only have a few minutes tonight, uh, but we like to set it up so when you're reading, you can get the most out of it. So you have a sheet before you. And it's called, uh, let's read the title. Ready? This one right here. Go. Jesus Christ in the Gospels. So what is tonight about? Jesus Christ in the Gospels. This is about a person. The Gospels are the good news. There's good news about a person. And the good news is needed because he came into a world that had bad news. Uh, there were two main problems uh, with humanity that Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ was able to solve. And these two problems are what? It's not your organic chemistry test. 
or double E, Jeffrey. Those are going to be problems, but this is a much more serious problem. It affected all mankind. No one escapes it, and we're all under this arrangement. So what do you think our problems as human beings born into this fallen world, what are our two major problems? What would you say? Any volunteers? You got it. Who said that? What did you say? Sin. Sin is a problem. God is holy, righteous. He is without sin. And so these disobediences, transgressions, uh, rebellion, all that is a problem to his kingdom. Okay, and then what's our other problem? And it's related to that. Death. 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 Great. That's even more of a problem. Sin is a problem, and no one is without sin except Jesus Christ. I don't care who you talk to, what they say. If they say they're without sin, you just convicted them of lying. So they are a sinner. <laughs> raise your hand if you're a sinner. If you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned because you just lied to me. So we got it. We're pickled with it. And there is a cure. And even worse problem is death. Uh, and that is the result. When sin came in, death came in, and death passed to all men because all of sin. You know Romans. So these are the two problems. And tonight we like to show how the gospel show the solution to these two major problems. So you have four gospels, not three, not five. And each gospel is critical. And they are emphasizing, come here, Grant. You want to come up here? Come on, Grant. <laughs> nice looking freshman. Yeah. OK, come on up here, friend. So this will be Jesus Christ. He wasn't this tall. Probably not this handsome. The Bible says he wasn't that good looking. Uh, but you'll be Jesus Christ for a moment. OK. OK. You're OK. So the four Gospels are written by four different men. Two of them were actually disciples, the 12 disciples. Do you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? Which two of those were actually 12, the 12 disciples? Two of the 12? Matthew and Matthew and John. They were part of the 12 that this one spent three and a half years with. And then Luke was actually not Jewish. He's Gentile, like most of, anybody here have Jewish blood? Maybe very few. Okay. Well, the rest of us are called Gentiles, and Luke was Gentile. He was actually a medical doctor. And then Mark was also a disciple, but not one of the 12. So each of these people, you can be Matthew. Matthew <laughs> hung out with Jesus, and they were very close. And so Matthew is writing about a certain perspective, a certain aspect. When he's looking at this person, he wants to describe a particular aspect of this person. And that's what I'm going to ask you about. Okay, so Matthew is looking this way. Come on, Hudson. You'll be Mark. Mark is describing the same person from this side. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Come on up, Luke. Jeffrey. Luke is a medical doctor. Very good on documentation. If you're going to medical field, you better learn to document. He's looking at this same person. 
And he's going to describe him from this angle. And then we need one more, Carlos. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and who are you? You're John. And John, you're going to give us a record of this person from your aspect. Now, they all were with this person, and they all are sharing similar aspects, but they're emphasizing, each gospel emphasizes a particular aspect of this person. And that's what we're going to study tonight, is what, when you get into the reading of the Gospels, you're reading Matthew, what lenses does Matthew have on? What glasses is Matthew looking at when he sees this person? What aspect does he want us to catch about this person? Mark, when you look at this person, what aspect do you want us to catch? Luke, when you look at this person, what aspect? And John, how about you? What do you want to describe for all mankind to know about this person who lived 2,000 years ago? We never were there with you. We never got to talk to him physically, meet him. Tell us, what was your experience? Who is this person? Okay. <laughs> you got it? Okay, so y'all can sit down. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and disciples. Okay, so uh, on this, you have the first gospel, which was the first, it's written about 3D, uh, 3, 37 AD, the first uh, gospel written. And it is the gospel of something proving that Jesus Christ is the blank Savior. You have a little pencil there, so I want you to take some notes. Okay, so here's a verse that gives it away. Matthew 2, 2, let's all read that verse. I, I could give you many, many verses to support this, but let's read this verse. Go. Saying... These are the Magi. When the baby Jesus was born, they saw a star. They came and said, where is the king of the Jews? This baby, this little baby. Here, hold this little baby. Where is the king of the Jews? So Matthew's record starts with a genealogy going back to Abraham, but when it says the book of generations of Jesus Christ, son of David, not son of Abraham. So uh, David was what? King. king. So what aspect do you think Matthew is keying in on? What does he want to show us about this person? He is the, Christ is the, we all, all of them are the Savior. He's the Savior in every aspect. That doesn't change, but he is the what? Savior. King. So right in your little, okay, you already got it there. Hey, well, you're on it. Okay, the King Savior. And so it's the gospel of the what? Kingdom. So when you go read this chapter, this, these chapters, you want to be looking, where is, where do you see the kingdom? Where do you see the king? We're in chapter 5. It's actually the constitution of the kingdom. Every great nation has a constitution. Yay, USA. You need a constitution. Well, Matthew 5, 6, 7, or that constitution. After he's been tested, tried, baptized. So we have him as a king. So the good news is he wants to bring in a kingdom, actually the kingdom of the heavens, the heavenly kingdom, to the earth. 
So he's coming to an earth filled with people with sin and death. He's trying to bring in his kingdom. You got it? So that's why Matthew's the first gospel to tell us, oh, there is another kingdom. We are all born into one kingdom, and there is another kingdom, and that kingdom is actually now here on the earth. It's not coming in the future. It will have a manifestation and a further development, but we're not waiting for it because it is here present, and that kingdom is the king, Christ, who lives in all the believer's heart. So the kingdom is here. Even Matthew 5, 2, I think, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is, is, not will be, the kingdom of the heavens. So uh, living a life on this earth right now as 18-year-old freshman, 20-year-old junior, whatever you are, you can be in the reality of this kingdom because Jesus Christ is living in you. Not physically, but as a spirit. So this is bringing the kingdom. So now... Let's just take UT, Austin, among 50,000 ones that were born in sin and are facing death, us included. We're no different. But the king has come in, and he's brought in the kingdom into a certain number of people on this campus. So there is another kingdom being manifested on this earth through, yes, little old freshman, Susie Freshman. Here you hear Susie Freshman? No, okay. Little 18-year-old, the kingdom of God is here in you. So this is not something we're waiting to die and go to. It's actually developing now. So we have king and kingdom. Okay, let's go on because we're going to run out of time here. Uh, to, and uh, by the way, kingdom is the king is ruling. So that means he's in you and you're conversing with him and he is ruling inside of you. So when you go to make your decisions, should you cheat on that test? Maybe the king would go, I'm a righteous king. I'm not doing that. I'm in your conscience. Follow me. But you may go ahead and cheat anyway. But that in you is the king in you ruling or whatever else, other temptations that hit us all the time. Do we contact the one in us and see what he is doing in us, right? So... Maybe your friends want you to do something that is against your conscience and the way their parents didn't raise you and you're tempted, but the king in you is going, maybe not. Or maybe there's some gossip going around a professor, like this is the lousiest professor. You know, they're just blabbing all, all explicitives about him, but you just would remain quiet and you wouldn't, you wouldn't condemn them for saying that, but you wouldn't jump on the bandwagon and say, yeah, and by the way, blah, 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 blah. Maybe the king is going, mm, just remain I'm not saying anything right now. So that's a subjective experience of the king ruling over us, our mouth. So anyway, these are experiences you'll be having as you get to know the Lord. Let's move on to Mark, the gospel of... Okay, so you have kingdom and king. Now we come to Mark. Uh, no genealogy in Mark. The gospel of something proving that Jesus Christ is the blank Savior. What do you think? If you have the king... And the king's the highest in humanity. What do you think Mark is? What's the opposite? Slave. Short gospel. 
No genealogy. Someone comes, mows your yard, cleans your house. You don't care who their father is, what their degree is. Just get the job done immediately. So as you read Mark, you'll see he's a servant, a slave. So you can put in this slave, savior, and it happens to be the gospel of, what would you think this is? The gospel, not of the kingdom, but of, this is one of the hardest ones to catch of all of them. The gospel of, we want to come back to it? Huh? The gospel of God. So you can write the gospel, you can go gospel of God, and it's the slave savior. So the gospel of God is mainly showing how he is a burden bearer. He is like a big ox carrying your burden, your grief. Some of you left home and you probably rejoicing so happy. Others are like so sad you missed your little brother, you missed your dog. You just don't know if I'll make it here at Big UT. And there's grief or you're going through financial difficulties, relationship difficulties. There's some burden. Guess who can bear that? Guess who can come up under you and support you. There is nobody higher than Jesus Christ. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He rules over the whole universe. Guess what? There's no one below him. You can't get lower. There's no one more servant, no one more able to bear burden than your friend Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel of God. He is able to bear you, to comfort you. You can pitch anything you need to on him the weight of your burdens, and he will take them. He will serve you in this way. He came, served you to the point of death, being crucified, and read the gospel. Mark, you'll be so impressed, everything he bore for us, right? So, for example, uh, this summer, some of you were able to come to your orientation, and there were some students out there and these upper-class students, they gave the Lord their summer, so, and they were praying for the freshman class, and so they decided we will stay here in Austin, and we will meet the freshmen, and so they were serving you. I was telling one of you here at the table that we were, oh, it was uh, Brian, Brian, that we were praying for you, we just didn't know your name or your face. So, I like all the ones who were the summer interns, all the students. Would you stand up? These were serving you. These, are, these were experiencing the gospel of God. The serving, the slave savior was operating in these, led them to be here this summer because here come some ones praying for freshmen. We know some are soft to the Lord, they're open to the Lord, they want to love the Lord Jesus, and we want to be here to tell them about Jesus Christ. So, and how about if you were one of those freshmen or transfer, and we met you during orientation or welcome week, why don't you stand up? You're the recipient of this slave savior life. Great, okay. Wow, this is not... I gotta keep moving here. Oh, there's so much on that. We gotta go to Luke. Uh, and actually, there's a little Freshman Connect flyer. I think you're gonna see a video. And they're gonna serve you some more freshmen coming up in two weeks. These students are putting together in the serving life inside of them to serve you even more Christ. 
So I hope you'll sign up for it. Okay, Luke. Um, Luke is the gospel of something proving that Jesus Christ is the blank Savior. What do you think, uh, Luke, medical doctor? His genealogy goes not back to Abraham, but back to Adam, the son of God. So who do you think, Luke, when he's looking at Jesus Christ, Luke, what do you tell us about this person? He is the what? So you have the king, you got the slave, no one's below, no one's above. What else do we need to know about this person, Jesus Christ? He is a genuine man, just like you and me. Didn't skip conception, didn't skip gestation, didn't skip delivery room, no delivery, a manger. Didn't skip childhood, didn't skip learning to say, da-da, <laughs> juice, juice. Didn't skip any of that. Reading, studying, learning the Old Testament, memorizing the Old Testament. A man, genuine man, 100% man. 100% man, just like you and me. So it's a, the gospel of what is this man, being a man, being able to sympathize and empathize with human weakness, what do you think this is the gospel of? He, underst huh? he understands what it is to be a man, Carla. Just like you. Will, he knows what it's like. He can feel it. So what do you think this gospel is about? The gospel of the good news of what's he qualified as a man? He's only proper and normal man without sin. So he's able to, it's the gospel of forgiveness of sins. He, he gets human hardship. He knows difficulties. He knows rejection. He knows persecution. He even knows crucifixion. And so he knows we're pickled with sin. And so he is a forgiving, comforting, compassion God. He wants to relieve you of that, forgive you of that, restore the relationship you have with God. So it's the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. Okay, and you have the verse there. Oh, sorry, we skipped the verse in Mark 10.45. It says, he didn't come to be served, you can underline, but to serve. He didn't come to be served. Come on, I'm the king, serve me. I'm King Jesus, serve me, serve me, serve me. No. In Mark, he came to serve. And in Luke, let's all read Luke 23, 4, go. And Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowns, I find no fault in this man. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, is God, and he is man. Wow, what a unique being. Oh, what a design. This man, I find no fault, so he is able to forgive. Okay? And that's the weakness we have. People offend us, and we're unable to forgive. That's a real problem among us Christians as we hold other people. Uh, we hold their offenses, and we're unable to forgive. But if we experience him as a genuine man, there's more of a willingness to forgive Hudson. Oh, he did it again and again and again. Well, this man in you 
is able to forgive. That's experiencing Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move on. Last one, John. So you have, what are we missing? You got the king, no one higher, no one more royal, no more more ruling. You got the slave, no one lower, no one can get under him. He's a genuine man. John, what are we missing about this person? What is critical about this person? We need to know. He is... Proving that Jesus Christ is? <laughs> Who nailed that one? God. Wow, what a task. How are you going to write a gospel to prove this man is not just a son of God, he is God? Does that blow your circuits? God? I'm looking at God cloaked in the flesh. Oh, my goodness. I want to know this person. This is a very precious, very precious, very precious person. And so you can fill in. It's the gospel of what do you think this God wants to give us? Life. His divine life. Another kingdom needs another life. And he's able to deliver this life because he is God himself going through the process of human living, incarnation, human living, death, resurrection, ascension, descension, and pouring his spirit out into you and giving you the spirit of life. So you can put in the gospel of life, proving that Jesus Christ is God, the Savior coming as, what would you put there? Life, good again, good, 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 to propagate himself. Okay, then you have the verses there, one of... Uh, so one says he's the word was God and the word became flesh. So you have the proof. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up here with, uh, I got about one minute left. Revelation 4, 7. First living creature was like a, there's an animal here, a creature, like a, what is a king? A king in the jungle. Lion. lion. You can put in lion there. The second living creature like a, Calf, ox, uh, the baby calf bearing the burden. The third living creature had a face like that of a man, that's Luke. And then the fourth living creature was like a eagle, flying eagle, an eagle in motion. That's the life giving, generating, propagating. That thing's in, that, that God's in motion. He is giving life, life giving. And then you got a little bit of a chart down there where you can fill in. Uh, let's see if you can do that. Why don't you take a minute to fill in the chart. I've already done some of it for you. And then when you get in your group right now, you can practice uh, speaking this to one another. I hope you could tell me the key word of this person in every gospel and then tell us it's the gospel of what? The kingdom, God, forgiveness of sins, life. Okay, so uh, I think I'm done and I think... Um, What's the next step here? You want to group up? You give us some time? and. Yes, so I think we're going to, I don't know if we've done this yet, but we're going to just get with some people around you, maybe like four to a group, or you know, more or less, it's not, no hard cut line, but then do it, Tim's saying, where you just kind of study it together, talk about what you like, practice speaking it to one another, and then at the end we'll have sharing for everyone to kind of give a little bit, you know. See if you can speak it, remember the things, or just share something you really liked about this. So why don't we split up into groups now and take like five to ten minutes.